Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Oh, that new doctor is dropped at gorgeous. Please, he's just another RV League educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Ready for another episode of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, Marcus? I am completely ready. Are you? Well, I'll tell you what. Listener episode month in July was a lot of fun, and we really got a lot of great feedback from people. Since we set it up, we keep getting emails and stuff from all of you. So thanks so much for giving us feedback and giving us some input on uh, the episodes that we've done and episodes that you'd like to see us do. So that's a good way to get things started in a new month. After Listener Episode Month. And I think we probably will do that again. I'm totally down with doing Listener Episode Month again. It was a lot of fun and some great ideas, including the New Orleans segment, which I really enjoyed researching and digging into a little bit. And I can't wait to dig into it a little bit more. So fascinating. Well, we're looking elsewhere in the rock and roll landscape. In fact, we're going to Brooklyn back to 1953, January, and the birth of Patricia May Andrzejewski. You don't know who I'm talking about, do you? Who are you talking about? <laughs> I was right. <laughs> oh, Patty May. You don't know Patty May from the block? Country singer. Uh, that's what it might sound like. Patty May, hello. Well, we'll get into her, her details of her young life in Brooklyn, but you fast forward to 1972, and she meets up with a guy. They got married, stayed married for several years throughout the 70s, but we know her by her married name, her first one, not her second one. That marriage lasted a lot longer so far than the first one ever did. I'm talking about Pat Benatar. Did I get around to it in a weird way? <laughs> no reaction. You definitely took the long, scenic route to get us to Pat Benatar. Getting bongosophical out of the gate on this episode of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Brought to you by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro. They've got what you need if you need a cold pint, a great mixed drink, a nice glass of wine, and great music and entertainment. All at Crooked Eye. Yeah, I'm talking about Pat Benatar. 
She kept her married name after the divorce from Dennis. And right around that time, she met a guy that's nickname was Spider. And I think it was because of the spidery nature of the way he approached the guitar. Very talented guy named Neil Giraldo. And they clicked right away. Well, maybe not right away, but they clicked and started working together. Found out that they'd be really great as a couple. Got married, had kids, and have been together ever since, continuing to be musical and life partners. We're talking about Pat Benatar and her little spider, too, Neil Giraldo, on this episode of The Amount's History of Rock and Roll. And at the beginning of my time in the record business, I did get to work with them very briefly. It was during their Inamorato album, and there was a whole thing. They wanted to go on Howard Stern and did. And this is when we were working the single from the album, Inamorata, the song called Strawberry Wine. And Howard being Howard, started asking her questions that linked strawberry wine to menstrual flow. And Pat's pretty cool, but she wasn't having it. And it was the first time I'd seen someone lock horns with Howard Stern on the air in a long time. And I guess I wasn't expecting that it would be my artist, my new artist that I just signed on to help work that would be in the midst of all that. And it was fine. I felt mad, actually, because she's such a sweetheart. And so is Neil. Their whole thing is very very nice and they're very kind sweet people uh and they've had a good life because they've done things the right way and i just it, it pissed me off at howard actually at the time i i was just like come on man she's a class lady and well that's a whole nother subject but i'll leave that go for now but that was the time i worked with them and it didn't go great the album you know it, it didn't make the top 100 albums on uh, billboard but we enjoyed working with her and um so you get a chance to meet we actually had met once during my mmr days in the 80s as well and there's a picture somewhere of uh ex-wife number one and me and uh pat and neil and i'll post that up online little crossings right the little crossings that we have but when those two cross signals when they cross paths they started making music together and that led to the debut album in august of 79 called in the heat of the night in the heat of august they released the album after a summer long blitz on the single which was their take on john mellencamp's i need a lover right they'd taken off the long intro that mellencamp had put on his and did it their style. working with Peter Coleman and Mike Chapman as producers. Now, Chapman becomes a bigger figure as they move forward, and he actually helped to write some of the songs on that debut album. But I Need a Lover and then Heartbreaker, it's like wham, bam, right? Mm -hmm. the, the way that the singles flowed out of the Chrysalis Records machine really showed good form right from the beginning, and Neil and Pat were up for everything. They were playing tours, taking every gig, doing everything, right? And they had some different people through the years, but a lot of the same guys, the guys at the beginning, were with them for a while. People like Roger Capps or Scott St. Clair Sheets or Glenn Alexander Hamilton. But those two, they stick together through everything. Yes, and they showed up on The Young and Restless quite a bit. I 
got to see them as that was my favorite soap what? opera back in the day. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a double what? They they were on Young and the Restless. How'd yeah. that play? It was fun. They were just in there. They would be Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo, and they would do their thing. And Hi, I'm Rock kinda... and Roll's Neil Giraldo. Yeah, basically. Welcome to the Young and the Restless. And they would visit Genoa City and help with whatever big project they were working on, on the Young and the Restless, and it was always, woo. But they were great, and they were always really nice and really kind. Just You could tell when you see them that they were good people. I've never had the experience of meeting them or running into them. I experienced Pat Benatar for the first time as a 13-year-old kid, exploring rock and roll and hearing Heartbreaker on the radio and just being like, like so many, man. Whoa. She sings with so much power and so much emotion, and you really felt it. And I remember her version of John Cougar's uh, or John Mellencamp's I Need a Lover, but Heartbreaker was the one that really, really cemented who she was for me because of the gave power of that song. Yes, it gave her identity. It really yes. did. album built on the first album i'm talking about august 1980 so just about a year later they put out crimes of passion and it's pretty much the same band keith olsen's at the helm he of pogo logo and uh you got myron grumbacher now playing the drums and this album is stacked i'm just going to read off the songs that were hits and i'll stop when i run out Okay. Okay. Treat me right. <laughs> you better run, which I didn't know was a rascal song at the time. Hit me with your best shot. Hell is for children. And then Kate Bush's song, Wuthering Heights. Uh, Prisoner of Love. I mean, these are great songs. Those first four hits on side one of the album. Treat me right. Better run. Hit me with your best shot. Hell is for children. Nobody was singing about hell is for children. Nobody was singing about domestic abuse. And the trouble it caused for children, how children were being destroyed and damaged with physical domestic abuse. And nobody was talking about it, man. She put it on the front page.
And she not only put it on the front page, she hit you with the issue and made sure that you knew what she was singing about. And she let it all out. Those songs moved me. Did she talk about it on The Young and the Restless? I can't remember. I got to be honest with you. I can't remember because that was probably in the nine. Like, I've seen her in the 20th, like, in the last 20 years. But they did more appearances back in the days. And I don't remember what they talked about because those stories all just run together. But Hell is for Children wasn't even released as a single. And I'm guessing some AOR rock radio people were like, this is a damn good song. I'm going to fucking put it on. And they did. It's just up and down great. I remember seeing her videos and just listening to those songs and listening to them very closely when they came on because she pulled you in and the way that band just really moved you. And I think at that age, it made a positive impression in so many ways. Mm She was part of a wave of women in rock and roll that started to change the tide. Hart had made great inroads. Other women had made great inroads. But Pat Benatar and some of the other women of the 80s just basically said, we're here. And this is what we do. We're rock chicks, for want of a better term. And we're good with that. So take me seriously. And treat me right, damn it. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, ba-doom-pa. But these albums are all selling great. I mean, you're talking about number one on Billboard for Precious Time, the next album, right? Selling two times platinum in Canada and uh, double platinum in the U.S., gold in France and New Zealand. You're talking about albums that are starting to sell in international territories where they don't have the kind of radio coverage that we had here, and it was selling great here in the States. Promises in the Dark. Just Like Me, which turns out, I did not know, was a Paul Revere and the Raiders cover. I I mean, this is the kind of stuff. Are you seeing what I'm seeing here? And that is that she is the kind of person, the kind of singer that can change and turn anybody else's songs into things that are hers. And I don't mean give it to me, it's mine. I mean, she creates it in a way that makes it hers, even the songs that she and Neil didn't write. And a perfect similar example to that is Jimi Hendrix taking Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower. She was able to do that with her songs and make them her own. Especially the Mellencamp, yeah. Yeah. And uh, her version of Helter Skelter is a pretty good cover to put on your list of Beatles covers to check out sometime. Yes, it is. So that's all on uh, the Precious Time album, which does pretty well, comes out and keeps her rocking into 1981. And again, just about a year after. So she's got three albums in three summers. And that's perfect timing for touring. And those guys are known to tour all over wherever the, the touring winds will blow them. And I think somewhere in their travels, they spent time in Hawaii, Neil and Pat did, and they fell in love with Hana. But they had a house there. And when they would finish tours and want to get away, they wouldn't go back to L.A. or anywhere else. They would just take the plane, go to Hana and spend some time decompressing there. It's one of those special places for them. And I don't know if they still have the house there. I've heard someone told me that they had uh, sold that and we're on to other things. Maybe they're doing what so many people do, and that is downsizing as we go. (laughs) Uh, Well, she's going to be 70, you know. My favorite cover, though, of all her album covers, Marcus, is the Get Nervous cover. That's the one where she's in the straight jacket and the hair's all like, it looks like she's had electrotherapy, right? Yep. Oh, my God. Yes, we're going to get nervous because we don't know know, what's going to come out. (laughs) This is Neil taken over controls with Peter Coleman helping and as the producer. He'd been involved in producing in the last couple albums. And, uh, you know, their band changes up. Guys come and go. And long before he joined the um, 
Secret Sessions Band with Springsteen. Charlie Giordano joins on keyboards for the next adventure, Getting Nervous, with Pat and Neil, her spider. And it does well. It, it, look, she keeps having hits on every record. Not everyone's an out-of-the-park home run, but she's selling platinum and double platinum on every album. And that's allowing them to tour and make all kinds of good money and create the life they want for them and their girls. It's a win-win-win for everybody. And she continued to sing about issues that people are very uncomfortable to talk about. She didn't change who she was for the record companies or anything. Nope. They continued to sing and and talk about the issues they thought were important and they made it very clear but their music stayed consistent and good and she was fantastic live they've always been really good live her voice is powerful i mean powerful well don't get nervous marcus it's time for our, our little thirsty break here in the middle of this episode i've got the growler we don't even have to go far i'll just put it up on the table and we'll have a quick sip and then we'll get on to talking more about pat benatar on the imbalanced history of rock and roll ah the taste of crooked eye it's like coming home for the holidays man and by the way it'll be the holidays before you know it marcus getting into the fall season and so the brews change and some different things appear on the board. Hey, there's a lot going on. And as always, the best way to find out what's happening at the brewery location in Hapro is on their Facebook. But one thing you know is there's the Blues Jam every Wednesday night hosted by the Crooked Soul Band. And I've been noticing a lot of new names and a lot of new acts appearing recently at Crooked Eye. So go in and see who's playing this weekend. And don't forget, if you're in Delco, Jamie's House of Music is a place where you can get Crooked Eye beers as well. Fresh brews, PA spirits, and wine, as well as all the fun of the music at both Jamie's House of Music and at the brewery location in Hatboro. Crooked Eye Brewery, right in the heart of Hatboro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Now that we are back from our crooked eye breaks, I went to Jamie's House of Music in Lansdowne to grab my growler as you went to Crooked Eye Brewery right in the heart of Hatboro. We've got Not our... so fast, mister. They're also pouring at the Ridgeboro Pool. I slid by for a cold one there. What? Another place? You know, they're allowed to go and pour at events, so you just never know where Crooked Eye will turn up. But yeah, man, I, Hatboro, it's the place to be, man. There's so much going on but with the music that's happening at jamie's house of music you just have a much more enjoyable experience there now because you can go in and have a beer or a mixed drink or some wine all at jamie's music right there on the main drag right down the street from uh, the theater there in lansdowne and it's an easy to get to from the magic bag studios oh you're just so happy about this i love it <laughs> We're in the middle of talking about Pat Benatar and her little spider, Neil Giraldo, and they have made quite a life for themselves. They become almost like a cottage industry unto themselves, like so many classic rockers have. If you think about it, while her career did start in the 70s, she was really an 80s artist, and she's one of the artists early on who recognized that they had the ability to continue to make records and tour at whatever level they could achieve and develop as they went forward. They're one of the teams that figured out how, when your records stop selling as well as they did at the beginning of your career, how you escalate the live show vibe and create that. 
they're one of the first 80s bands who reinvented themselves, and they've done it a couple times now. And you got to look at it that way because they're a band. They've got other guys who play with them live here and there, but they're a band. And that's why they continued to make records. Now, it's been a while, but after Get Nervous, they make Tropico. That was a two-year break in albums, the first time they had taken that long a break. I know they did a live album in between called Live from Earth in 1983, but I'm sure they could have used that break after those first four years of heavy recording and touring. That cycle is tough. Also because around that time, Neil Geraldo was getting involved in producing for John Waite and starting to do more on producing on Pat's records, too. So they were kind of doing a little bit more uh, work at home for other people. You know, at some point you recognize the best way to go forward is to diversify. You become more of a producer for yourself and all the other aspects of it. When you produce your own records, you keep the producer points in-house, whether it's the band or the duo like they have or whatever. So it really does consolidate things. Now, you got to make great records, otherwise nobody's going to care who the producer is, and you can keep your points because there's nothing to it. Here's what they continue to do. Make songs like We Belong. by Eric Lowen and Dan Navarro. I'm not even sure if I know who those guys are. A couple L.A. songwriters. And boy, they probably have pretty nice houses in L.A. from that or wherever they decided they wanted to live. <laughs> because it was a big hit and it continues to get played on the classic rock stations and networks. And so for the writers, especially, the cash continues to flow. And that's part of what's helped a lot of artists, I think, through the pandemic time was the cash flow from... Um, airplay and things like that because they weren't able to leave the house or, or in a lot of cases even record right mm -hmm. another two-year break and it's seven the hard way coming out in october of 85 produced by neil joe ciccarelli and mike chapman their old friend who's back in the mix and he and nikki chin they're quite a pair they wrote songs they'd help you fi finish your songs producing all the they were like full service so she brought all the hands on deck for this one and they come up with sex as a weapon which is an activist song that is pro-female even though it's kind of telling girls to stop using sex as a weapon to be more loving. It's pretty pointed at the time. If you think about when this came out in 85, we were in the middle of the 80s hair band thing. We were in the <laughs> middle of the 80s pop thing. It was pretty much pre-AIDS, so it was in the middle of the 80s everybody fucking everything that moves thing. And it was her way of putting it on the radio. And it was written by Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg. I'm not sure I know who those guys are, but oh, wait a minute. Billy Steinberg. Like a 
virgin Madonna. Uh, co- yes, co-wrote like a virgin in True Colors. An eternal Cindy flame. Lauper. Wow, and that too. Yeah, I see that. And uh, Tom Kelly. It's not our Tom Kelly. No. I'm just saying. It's not Brian Kelly. Wrote a bunch of songs. Big songwriter. But this is what happens. You get the big guns in there, and you pull out all stops, and you get it done, and you have another successful album. It goes to number 26 on the U.S. charts. Mm-hmm. Look, you gotta keep the momentum going. That's the thing that's most important when you're at this point in a career. We talked about this a bit on the Beach Boys episode. We talked about the international flight on the Doors episode. Mm-hmm. And it's really that the point where they are, where the albums aren't selling, you know, they're selling half a million copies. Nobody is really complaining. I don't think everybody's doing okay, but it's not double platinum results. But they keep making great albums and creating one of the really great rock and roll catalogs of the 80s into the early 90s. Absolutely. And then the one thing that even though their album sales suffered, their live show did not suffer. And people still continued to support them in huge droves because they were so good live. And boy, talk about being part of a crowd singing emotional songs with the band. Holy cow. You get goosebumps thinking about it. It's that good. (laughs) Well, Wide Awake in Dreamland does get them a hit. Remember the song, All Fired Up? Yes. It's not like the biggest song they ever had, but I thought it was cool. And then I looked into it, and it turns out the song was written by Curran Tolhurst, who's from Australia. He was in the band called The Dingoes. Remember that? I do not remember The Dingoes. All right, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they did a song called Let's Stay Together that wasn't an Al Green cover. You know, they did some of their own material that was really nice stuff, but it didn't connect in a big way, wide way. All Fired Up did. It got up to the tops of the rock charts. And that's really good when you're um, Karen Tolhorst and you're collecting the uh, check every three months. But that's where they are at that point. And then you have 1991's True Love, um, which is produced by Neil. And these two have proven, and this album is kind of a tribute to that, proven at this point that they are truly true love. And they go through and she does some great choices, like B.B. King's Paying the Cost to Be the Boss. Songs they wrote, songs Neil wrote, and nothing really comes of it as far as a big hit, but it continues the run of making quality music, quality rock and roll, and the fans are still there supporting them. And that's the thing that I think at this point they've proven to everybody. You've got this sucker going. People are coming to hear what you're putting out. If they hear anything they like, they come in droves. So that's what puts the pressure on the artist. And I think it's what every artist deals with. I wish that we could have them on because they're such nice people. They would probably tell you exactly how it felt and how it feels. They're that kind of couple. They're those kind of people. And uh, I haven't talked to them in a long time, but I'll tell you what. 
I still have the greatest regard for them. And Myron Grumbacher was still playing drums with them when I worked with them back then. So. That's really cool that one of the old school drummers, you know, was able to continue to be able to play with them. But I agree with you. I think it would be really fun to talk to Pat and Neil and talk especially about those first few albums and how they really made an impact and the challenges that they had. They faced, yeah. Especially singing about topics that make people squirm in their seat. And I wonder if the record executives squirmed when they spoke with Neil and Pat about all of this stuff. I would love to know that type of uh, stuff because I think it would enhance the story and really... Unfortunately, one of my friends who could give us an answer about some of that stuff died of COVID in the middle of uh, the pandemic. Keeps happening, even now. All right, my friend. Well, I'll tell you what. I've had fun talking about Pat Benatar, and it made me realize that there's so much to talk about Chrysalis Records because you got to realize they have they have Blondie too, right? Yes. And so they had two really powerful women in the 70s and 80s that were part of the business backbone of the company. I mean, yes, they built it off of Jethro Tull's massive success and other stuff too, but you know what I'm saying. I think it's really neat, a neat phase in rock and roll that we should probably dig closer to the bone, so to speak. Absolutely. These women definitely deserve the credit because they have not gotten the credit that they deserve wholly. Well, everybody who was in that period, man, they did something there that was, I don't know, maybe because it's punk, they kind of figured, well, this is what we do. But I don't think it's been given enough cred. I agree with you on that. (laughs) Just so you know that uh, Pat Benatar's last studio record release was in 2003. Yeah, Go, called Go, yes. And And since then, they've been continuing to play live. I'm sure they've slowed down a bit as they've gotten older. Life on the road takes its toll on you, but they've remained true to themselves through their entire career and through their entire lives. And you can tell and you can feel and you can hear it in all their music. And another reason I'd love to have them on is because I'd love to get her perspective as the singer on how she made all those interpretations happen in her own voice, in her own way, and made them into hits as Pat Benatar. It'd be kind of cool. You never know. We were doing this podcast. Uh, I don't have any plans to stop, do you? Uh, you no, hesitated. Wait no. a minute. <laughs> What's the word stop is what I was trying to figure out. Oh, I got go. confused I like... for a second. <laughs> stop. What's this thing? Stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> you confused me. <laughs> I think uh, we might want to stop for now. Let's not get you any more confused. But it's always good to talk about great rock and roll. And we've been actually talking about doing this, talking about Pat and Spider for quite some time. <laughs> so we made sure it fits into the schedule here as we start another month. And coming up on two years since we joined the Pantheon Network. That's and, huge. Um, so much has been happening, buddy. I know we don't talk that much about it on Facebook or, or social media uh, or on the podcast. But the growth, especially in the last six months, we've seen the growth the increased numbers of downloads. And thank you for listening when you download. That's really amazing what we're seeing there. And all the different places, the growing number of listeners both here in the U.S. and all over the world. It's kind of blowing us away, man. When we talk about some days, our our texts back and forth are like, whoa, wow, oh, my God. (laughs) And you guys blow us away every day. So we thank you for that. And thank you for, you know, all the feedback. Some of it helps us to grow as a podcast when it's not exactly what we want to hear. But generally speaking, we love the feedback you guys are sending us. Don't forget, you can email us, imbalancehistory at gmail.com. 
Hit us up on the socials. On Facebook, you can find us at The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. We're on Twitter at Imbalanced Histo, and of course on Instagram, The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And one final thing, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Pat Benatar is a game changer. She should be in. I think about our parameters for entry, and she may not have changed the whole game, but she changed things from the way they were to the way they are in a lot of ways. And I agree with that. And she's on a list of people that's pretty damn long that have belonged in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for quite some time and have not been given entry. And really, I'm in too good of a mood right now to spoil it by talking about them fuckers. How's that? That sounds... <laughs> you know what? I <laughs> I can't argue with that, but again... Get in, get Neil in, recognize, bitches. Recognize. They are great. And we both recommend you put on some Pat Benatar and celebrate her incredible disc. I am not wearing the Lycra leotard. I'm not. I don't care how much you ask me to. I'm not putting on the Pat Benatar makeup and hair. Sorry. Dude. Come on, dude. (laughs) Dude, I threw away all that 80s shit. I told you. No, you didn't. It's in a box in the closet. I know that. It's a Tupperware at the bottom of the steps, (laughs) underneath the steps. (laughs) Hidden from all of you till the end of time. Yeah, right. Your kids are going to pull it out this Halloween. <laughs> hey, look, we're down in the 80s. <laughs> Gotta be careful. That would be fun to see. Oh, yeah. I'd one video of that. That would be hysterical to see Eric and Epaulets. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all I'm going to say. <laughs> and on that note, let's wrap it up for this episode with Pat and Neil and everything that's attached to that. They've got a lot of great friends they've made and worked with in their time in rock and roll. And we'll see you soon. We've got a lot of other things to talk about. We never run out of shit to talk about, do we? No, this is an unending subject matter podcast. Diarrhea of the <laughs> verbal diarrhea in full effect here <laughs> on every episode. Alright, let's wrap it up. Ray Coob here. It's Marcus Goldman as well. And this is the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Oh, that new doctor is dropped at gorgeous. Oh, please, he's just another RV League educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 